Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Oh, yes. Seku Smith from NBA.com. I'm a man Lang Whitaker. Yo. The rabbit hunter in New York. <laughs> The Hang Time Podcast this week. Uh, schedule release. It's out, Lang. We know our lives. We know where we're going to be basically between now and April, what, 11th? That That's when the playoffs start. <laughs> I think that's the last day of the regular season. I mean, yeah. we, we know exactly where where our lives will take us every week throughout the course of the 2017-18 NBA season. League released the schedule. It's interesting. It starts a full week earlier this year, October seventeenth, yeah. opening night, with a monster double header. And October, that's like that's like two weeks earlier than it used to be, right? Like, well, it's it's ten day, yeah, like around ten days, I guess. Basically, I remember there usually being it's like, Halloween. It's usually, yeah, Halloween. I remember like going to the Nets openers and like coming back into the city and like the whole city being full of people <laughs> in costumes. Yeah, so it's a this is the this is the new wrinkle that that has been trending the last few years of, you know, addressing player rest and recovery and just easing the burden of an 82-game grind on the players. I I like it. I don't mind the season starting earlier. I I like it. I like that there, for the first time in in the history of the league, no four and five nights Mm -hmm. on the schedule, which is amazing that you would be able to, to figure out a way. I tell you what, that tells you about technology, that you would be able to, get that out of the schedule for everybody to eliminate yeah. that thing that that's one thing that every team universally there was you know pushback on having to do four and five nights i heard someone making the argument or just pointing out i can't remember who it was on twitter who was saying that you know the, the one thing that teams used to say when they would rest guys would be like well it's these four and fives that are that are killers right now that that excuse is gone so <laughs> If you're going to do the rest thing, you, it's going to have to be well. There's too many back-to-backs. Is that going to be the next thing that's going to be targeted? But that's by even all been these that's even been trimmed dramatically. Yeah, you know, I mean, everything everything about the work the league has done the past what three four years has been to address all of those concerns. And, and shout out to the schedule makers, you know, f- for attacking this in the way that they have. I, you know, I don't care who wants to take credit for it. I think. Everybody will be happy if if we see the stars more often than than we have the past couple of years. If we eliminate this whole you know conversation about players resting and what that means to the fans and you know how that obstructs you know the the viewing pleasures of people on these big games, yeah. these national TV games and, and that sort of thing. You uh you highlighted a, a bunch of games that are must watch. Absolutely can't miss games for NBA.com. Some interesting matchups that you threw in there, Lang. And I don't like to take days off during the season. I don't I don't believe in uh, scribe rest. So I try and, even if I only have one eye open, I try and keep an eyeball on, on the games. But let's attack some of these uh, 
these games you've highlighted. Um, and, and opening night, it, obviously, everybody will be locked in. Mm-hmm. You know, we're only what nine weeks away from 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 opening night, and we got the Celtics and Cavs and the Rockets and Warriors, a doubleheader on TNT that'll just be outlandish to kick the season off with those four teams. But what are, what are your what's your favorite matchup that you highlighted in in your piece about the the can't miss games? I I tried to. I mean, the easiest thing to do is, and you know, it's so West heavy this year that mm-hmm. the easiest thing to do is you could do ten games to not miss, and you could just have, uh, you know, Houston against Golden State, <laughs> and then you could do Golden State Every against time. somebody. And yeah, you could just kind of do all those matchups that are going to happen in the West. There's going to be a lot of can't miss Western Conference matchups this year. So I, right. I was trying to to spread it around a little bit and trying to highlight some teams like like uh, Milwaukee or Minnesota or some of the teams that could be on the come up this season and, and are probably uh, maybe getting overshadowed a little bit. Right. So, um, you, you know, one series that I, I think is sort of gotten forgotten about in the midst of all this, that's mm-hmm. going to be a lot of fun to watch is that Washington Boston series oh, yeah. this season. Funeral games, um, baby. <laughs> Bring I mean, it. I, I, I covered that series in the playoffs and that, you know, as people complained about the playoffs, not having, enough drama. That was the one series that was really good. You know, arguably the best series that, that we had in the, uh, up until the final. So, uh, I, I feel like the Washington Boston is going to be a lot of fun. And that's right. one of the Christmas day games, but we also get it four times during the year. So, yeah. uh, that'll be a good one to keep an eye on. Back to backs reduced to 14.4 per team, by the way, let me make sure I point that out is, you know, like I said, another one of those wrinkles and, and make sure you can check out the complete, NBA schedule on NBA.com and with the NBA app. And you can get on every team's website and look at their, um, you know, all the, the different nuances of their own schedules. How do you play point four of a back-to-back? Say what now? How do you play point four of a back-to-back? <laughs> I don't hey, listen, take that up with the analytics people, man. Don't get on my case. Ask Schumann. I mean, ask John point four of a Point four of a back-to-back is just a game, right? <laughs> Get on Schumann's case when we get him on here shortly to give us some of his impressions of the schedule. Christmas Day lineup, Lang, Sixers at Knicks, Cavs at Warriors, and the you know the finals rematch that we always get a taste of that on, on yep. Christmas Day. The Wizards and Celtics, as you mentioned, will be a part of that Christmas Day lineup. Rockets and Thunder, which should be fantastic with Paul George joining Oklahoma City, Chris Paul on Houston. That becomes a game that has all sorts of good subplots um, when you already have James Harden and you know, the reigning MVP, Kia MVP, Russell Westbrook in that mix. And then the thing I really love about Christmas Day, and I'm going to be calling the bosses and trying to figure out how I can get to L.A. for Christmas, Timberwolves-Lakers, little futures game, little uh, mm-hmm. uh, nice little Lonzo ball showcase. I mean, I will even I will even suffer through sitting next to to LeVar Ball if I have to to get to L.A. on Christmas, if that's, that's the- you know, if that's one of the, the requirements. That's your dessert for Christmas Day. You stay up all day. You watch it. I mean, look, th- those are two teams that I, I think they both think they're going to be in the playoff mix yes. this year. Yes. Um, I know Lonzo does because he, he's told it to me on TV the other day on live TV. So uh, I, I think they think that they got a shot at, at making this thing happen. I, the Lakers are going to be an interesting team to watch. There, there's going to be – I mean, if they play the way that they played in Summer League and when they have Lonzo at the helm – running that show, they're going to be a lot of fun to keep an eye on and to, and to watch. Newsflash, Lakers, the teams you're going to be playing during the regular season are going to be quite different than the teams you saw in Vegas. Yeah. Uh, I, I know there's this 
I know their fans were fired up. I'm hoping the I, I hope they're not setting themselves up for a fall when they get to the season and oh, they realize probably are. Yeah. <laughs> they realize <laughs> hey, it's gonna be a little tougher than you think. Well I asked Lon- on that rookie photo shoot show we did on NBA TV, I asked Lonzo what's what are realistic expectations for this team and he said, Well I you know, we think we can uh, be a playoff team and I said, even in the Western Conference you think that? <laughs> and he said, Yep. So I mean but look, you gotta have your, your hopes set high, right? So I, I can see why, uh, why yeah, the goal but I is think what you it should, is. I think next time you should admit the word realistic because that doesn't fit into the uh, equation for Lakers. I mean, like I've seen people saying they think the Lakers, oh, they're going to be a six seed into something. Like, dude, yeah, you, it's a lot more grinding that needs to be done for that group to get into the playoff mix in the Western Conference. I, I think they're, I think it's wishful thinking, and I admire the ambition, but I don't know that it's realistic to assume that they're going to make that leap right away right but you know i'm i'm not trying to be a pessimist i'm just trying to look at it through a sober lens and understand that the west yep. is stacked yeah. i mean the west is stacked this year i, I know. think i think the timberwolves line are gonna have some work to do to to become a playoff team i mean yeah no kidding they, they, well, they finished like 20 games under 500 yeah. last year right yeah yes. they, it, it's not it's no joke i mean even if you so even if you improve 10 games to be a 500 team, uh, I don't know if that gets you in the playoffs yeah. in the West. So, um, I mean, there's still teams ahead of them that, you know, uh, uh, that, that are not quite a lock for the playoffs, but like a, like a Portland or a Denver, yeah. uh, uh, you know. So, it, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see if, if even one of these teams that we're talking about, the Lakers, Minnesota, is able to get up into that, that mix. Yeah. All right, I think people need to print out your your uh, marquee matchups that you that you hooked up. I, I'm going to hold on to that for the rest of the season. Celtic Sixers division mm-hmm. rivals meet for the first time with these new rosters on October 20th. Warriors Spurs. I think you know those of us who pay attention to these things remember the thumping that the Spurs put on the Warriors to open up last season. Turns out it didn't mean a whole lot in the in the final analysis. They hook up again on November 2nd with the Warriors going to San Antonio. Thunder, Pacers, Paul George goes back to Indy on December 13th. That new rivalry uh, between the Bucks and the Raptors, mm-hmm. we call it the uh, Hartzell Bowl, January 1st. The Martin Luther King Day, of course, is a, is a huge day for the NBA. Warriors-Cavs play their second matchup, second and final of the regular season on, on January 15th um, in Cleveland. And the Wolves and Bulls, Jimmy Butler, goes back to Chicago on February 2nd. Put mark mark a check by all those games and many more in this NBA season. So, Lang, with the adjustments that have been made, the migration of the talent from from east to west, is Cleveland Golden State the best rivalry in the league right now, or is there something else out there that strikes you? Is it? It's kind. Of, it's weird to even talk about Cleveland right now because we yeah. don't know what's going to happen. True. You know, I, it's so hard to figure out what the what the. What team are we going to see this year? And and what you know, I, I don't know what to make of them. What team are they going to put on the floor? What's going to happen with this team? I, I mean, I guess it's still a, a, a rivalry because you know these are two teams that were in the finals against each other for the last three years, right? And they always seem to rise to the occasion. But you know, if Cleveland trades Kyrie, is is that still a rivalry between those two teams? Or, Depends on or, what they get for him. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I mean, I mean, to me, like uh, the the more interesting rivalries are, are like sort of the the smaller ones, like that Washington Boston one is right. a good one. You know what my favorite one is? Oklahoma City and Houston. Yeah, I love Harden and Westbrook being, you know, kind of being mm-hmm. pitted against each other in the MVP race the last year, and then 
what that looks like going forward with the additions they've made. I like that, you know, I like that rivalry between those two. How about Golden State San Antonio? And I know it's that not, it, the problem I know with one that, team just got, they just got swept to the playoffs, but that first half when yeah. they had the twenty point lead, and you're like, man, if this team's healthy, if we could just see, yeah, if we could see it on even footing for once between the two yeah. of them, I'd love it. But we haven't gotten a chance to see that enough. Um, I know. Let's see what other ones. What other rivalry sticks out to me? Urgh. The East, are they, are the they East doesn't like, have great rivalries to me right now. Is Minnesota Chicago a rivalry now, or is you know? I think it will be once guys. Jimmy Butler goes back and gives the Bulls thirty, or they get <laughs> yeah. smoked. Like whatever like, happens after that game, February second, then it'll, we'll know more. But they only gonna, they're only going to see each other twice. Yeah, you know during the regular what about season. Like, so it's, Indiana OKC is the same situation. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know that those games. When there's only two of them, it makes it a little tougher for me if they're not championship rivals, like not playing. Right, yeah. You know, there's not a chance you see them in the finals. Um, yeah. Who Who are the teams you're most excited to watch this year with all the changes that have gone on? Besides Atlanta? Um, we'll get, I'll get to them in a minute. <laughs> I, I, I really – I'm curious to see the Thunder with Paul mm-hmm. George and how he's going to play in and, and what happens to the way Russ played last year. Right. Do we still get – Terminator Russ, or <laughs> Terminator is he, Russ, is he going to scale it back a little bit? Uh, you know, and and how does Paul George fit into to what they're doing? Right. To, to me, that's an interesting one. I, the Sixers are a team that I I put them on the the list. Yeah, I put their opening game on the list because I want to see Ben Simmons play. <laughs> I want to see Joel Embiid play. I want them to be healthy. I want to see Markel Fultz play with these guys. I right. want to see you know the sky is sort of the limit with that team. Um, what about you? The What's ceiling the is that, the roof, baby. <laughs> my to me most intriguing team to me um one of them is, is phoenix i need to see who's on their roster but you know i you know i gotta look out for my boy devin booker grand rapids michigan natives stand up um i want to see you know as good as he's been you know through these first couple seasons i gotta see if they're getting better as a group because i don't want him wasting that talent in a situation where they're not progressing in, in moving towards being a playoff team. And I think with Josh Jackson, some of the other young guys they got maturing, hope, I'm hoping they improve. They make a trade now. They, you know, yeah. They've been one of the teams rumored you know, with Kyrie. Um, that would be interesting. Portland's another team that could change dramatically if, if Dame Lillard and C.J. McCollum have their way and find a way to convince Carmelo Anthony to, to drop that no trade and – and join them, which I don't. I think I still think that's a pipe dream. But I, I love the, I love how bold they are about you know mm-hmm. t- speaking it into existence. You know I gotta keep an eye on the Bucks now that they got uh, a Michigan man on the roster and DJ Wilson and Giannis and the longest, leanest, most athletic team in in the NBA and what kind of problems they can cause for people. Obviously, I'm gonna pay attention to all of the big, you know the high profile teams, the teams that are championship contenders, but. Those teams stick out to me in terms of what they might do this season. And the other one is I'm looking for a bounce back of is my man Kimball Walker in Charlotte mm-hmm. with Dwight in tow. And, they're gonna, you know, I want to see what kind of thing Steve Clifford can put together with that team because the East is wide open after Cleveland yeah. and, and Boston and Toronto to me. Those three in particular. You know what else is wide open? Uh-oh. The, the lottery. <laughs> the race the race for the number one pick. We're going to have to start a segment called Lottery Watch or something now with the, uh, uh, with the Hawks. The I was going to say, why don't, we just call it, why don't we just call it Atlanta Hawks NBA season 2017-18? I mean, seriously. 
The, and I mean the schedule. The, the, the season's over right after along. five games. You might as well just hang it up after that, that opening five game stretch. They start with a five game road trip, and then their first home game is Paul Millsap's <laughs> return. When He's I saw come it, I was like, "Man, put forty on them." I was like, "Man, what is this payback for?" Like when I saw, it, I was like, "You got to be joking." Zero and six uh, to start the season, your Hawks. What hap- What happens when they start zero and six? I mean, I, I, it looks like that's the plan. I don't know. Let's, <laughs> let's see what happens. Uh, um. Anybody else with a brutal start? You know, when you look at their schedule, you look look at it and you just know, say, the "Man, team, they got no uh, shot." I don't know. I don't want to say they have no shot, but I, uh, a mutual friend of ours, Mark Boyle from the uh, Pacers, yes. the the, the, uh, the radio announcer, he posted a graphic of the travel of all the teams, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Minnesota has the most miles to to go of any team in the league this year, um, mm. and I think that's their location. Right. Steve Ashburner, actually, our colleague, wrote a comment about how. Because they're the easternmost team in the Western Conference, they're always yeah, they, yeah, they're they're always on the go. So I think always for them, back against the grain, yeah, yeah. I don't know how much uh, sympathy I have. I mean, I will say this about the travel. I mean, it's not like they got to get a connecting flight, in you know, here, there, and everywhere. It's like they, they are a flying charter, so there is some, mm-hmm. there is an element of expediency and luxury to the way they're traveling. It's not. I don't think anybody needs to be crying for for these guys, but it it is a grind. There's no question about that. I'll tell you, one other team I want to keep an eye on this year that mm-hmm. we didn't mention yet, and I'm curious if the old addition by subtraction thing happens here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Utah. We, we were talking about playoff yeah. teams and and what you know, which teams that are not quite a lock for the playoffs. I don't know if Utah is considered a lock without Gordon Hayward, but yeah, um, you know, and George Hill. You know, true. On, so yeah. they have my son Ricky Rubio now at point. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's going to be interesting to watch them play. I think uh, they are. They're another team. You're right. We need to add to the list of teams we're eager to watch just to see what happens with them. Um, Especially because Ricky's looking like the most interesting man in the world most these days. Have you seen him with the? He's got the long flowing. Well, he's hair, rocking. He's rocking beard. He's rocking the beard that you don't have. But you, <laughs> all you guys are rocking the hipster haircut, by the way. Which yeah, we got to talk about this hipster haircut thing. It's getting a little out of hand. Um, <laughs> we know what we think about some of this stuff, but of course, what's a week on the Hangtime Podcast without checking in with our main man, John Schumann? Um, I'm curious to see what what the schedule looks like through his matrix eyes and whether or not uh, he agrees with some of our points. Shoo, what's up, sir? Fellas, what's going on? Uh, you know, just break, breaking down the schedule. Uh, trying to figure out where everybody's going to be between now and, and April, but uh, what, what what does it look like to you in terms of we know that you know the, how hard the league has worked to build build in some some rest and recuperation time into the schedule, eliminating the four and five nights, um, easing yet again the back to backs. Man, what what does your uh, computerized mind think of of what they've done? Well, yeah, I've I've I've, I've thrown it all into a spreadsheet and I'm in the process of breaking it all down. Right. Um, for me, like it's not only about rest, it's also about fairness. Um, you know, in the number of back to backs, you know, they reduced the, the average number of back, back to backs. I think it was, I think it was 16.6 last year or something like that. Yeah. And it's down um, to 14.4. 14.4. We know yeah, that. 14.4. Um, but they've What's also uh, hey, reduced Joe. like the variance in the number of back to backs. Mm-hmm. So like, for instance, um, 
Last year, the average was 16.6. Four teams had 16. Ten teams had 17. So there were sort of 14 that had around the average. Mm -hmm. But you had two teams that had only 14. You had one team that had 19. This year, there's only... the average is 14.4, and teams either have 13, 14, 15, or 16. And 14 teams have 14 back-to-backs, and nine teams have 15 back-to-backs. So that's 23 teams that are right around the, like, either less than one or, or uh, below, above or below the average versus 14 teams last year. So I think right. the variance is, uh, is less, too, so that makes everything a little bit more fair. Like, there's not... One team with there's not like last year. There's two teams that had 14 back to backs, and there's one team that had 19. Um, and then the other thing, the one thing that you, you don't really see in, in is is when you first look at it, is the games that teams are playing against opponents that are on a back to back. Like as much as being on a back to back is a disadvantage for Team A, it's a, an advantage for uh, Team B if they're rested and then they're playing. Um, an opponent on a back-to-back. And so there's more variance in that number. Like this year, like one, there's one team that's playing nine games against opponents on uh, on a back-to-back, on a second game of a back-to-back, and there's two teams that are playing 19 of those games. Right. So there's definitely more variance in that, but there's less variance in that than there was last year. Like, for instance, the Nets played only seven games last year against opponent on the second night of a back-to-back and there were seven teams that played 21 of those games so seven teams that played three times as many of those games um uh, as the nets did and so break it all down you get like this year there are 327 total games where one team is rested meaning they didn't play the night before and the other team is not meaning they did play the night before last year that number was 349 so they've reduced that so I think it's 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 also in order in in addition to um, you know getting players more rest, which is great. It's also making a little bit more balanced and fair um, from team to team when you look at sort of rest advantage games and and um, and you know having that you know playing the second night of a back to back against a rested opponent like that number has gone down and 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 so there's less sort of uh, Variance as far as how much rest advantage games teams have. If that makes any sense for for guys like Lang who fell asleep in stats class at UGA. You want to explain that again in like English? I, I have a no. I, I do have a question, John. What what is point four of a back to back? How can a team play point four of a back to back? The average. See what see what what we call an average Lang is when you take up the total number and you divide it by the number of the number of uh, items, and therefore you get an average that doesn't e- doesn't necessarily equal a whole number. Nice. So, like the average amount of Doritos we learned in fifth I grade. Eat. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot, I, I don't understand. It took three point six nerds to make the schedule. I, <laughs> I don't understand why people get so caught up in the. I, I understand the, the concerns about the amount of travel. But the mode of travel for these teams, to me, speaks more to the issue than anything. They're not flying commercial, right? They're not. True. They're not dealing. But I with didn't fly the, during the commercial. During, I didn't fly commercial during the finals either. It doesn't mean I wasn't tired by right, the, you right. know by game seven a couple of years ago. You yes. Know, like, yes. 
but I'm saying, would it make more sense? Like, to me, and maybe I'm wrong, it, wouldn't it make more sense to adjust the way you travel as much as it would to adjust the schedule? Like, don't fly out at 3 o'clock in the morning? Why wouldn't, you know? Yeah, that, that's, that's the interesting one. Like, they always want teams there the night before, yeah. right? Like, it, to, to, to uh, avoid, uh, like, a travel schedule issue the day of, travel, and yeah. therefore you have to cancel a game, right? So if you can't fly, fly the night before, you say you have some sort of travel issue the night before, at least you have the following day as a backup plan. Whereas right. if you say plan to travel on Tuesday for a Tuesday night game and, and there's some sort of issue with your plane or whatever, then, you know, then you have nothing to you know, fall back on. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I would also like, I think like if you're, lo- if you're close, like, you know, um, you know, teams in New York or Philadelphia should be able to travel to Washington you know, on the day, the day of, you know, take the train, you know, the day of rather than I having to get there the day before. Uh, Zach Lowe wrote a big piece about the Nets on ESPN.com recently, and there was a piece, there was something in there about how the Nets are thinking about taking the train on day of to some of the those Eastern Corridor games this year. Yeah, they'd have to get, like, some sort – they'd have to get, like, special approval for that. Like, right. I know even, like, when they're playing in Philadelphia, which is, mm. like, you know, a less than two-hour drive, you know, drive. Um, right. Like they could just take the bus or whatever. Like league rules state, you know, they got to be there the night before, right, you know. Right. Um, and they would have to get some like special approval if they wanted to travel day up. Um, it so, just it just seems to me that they would it would ease a lot of the physical tension of traveling if you didn't have to wake up or or leave it, you know, and be somewhere at three four o'clock in the morning flying and get there at an odd hour and then sleep half a you know what I mean like it would the right, body but the if body you told clock a player. Hey, we're not flying at three. Instead of three, flying, say we, you know, we just played a game in uh, Washington, and we got a game in uh, uh, our next game's in Charlotte or, or Florida somewhere. Mm-hmm. And he said, "Okay, we're not going to fly at three in the morning. Right after our game, we're going to fly tomorrow morning at eleven or twelve. Right? So you mm-hmm. can go home and get, and you go to the back to the hotel and get eight hours sleep." Do you think all the players are going to get <laughs> that eight hours of sleep yeah, anyway? I mean, the other the other thing is these guys are they have sort of rewired themselves so that they are they find their most you know uh, energetic part of the day is that in the wee hours uh, at seven o'clock or eight o'clock at night when when they need to have their most energy yeah and um i think you know we think of it in our terms we think of it oh yeah when you get some sleep and they get up yeah yeah. i gotta wake up at this time and you know it just doesn't work like that yeah, it's, it's a weird – to me, it's a weird situation because you're, you're battling the logical ways you would think this would work for a normal person, and then you're battling people whose schedule dictates that they move around it, at these strange hours. I mean, we feel it. Like, like when we're traveling for playoffs, you know, we're up writing until the wee hours or whatever, right. and then, right. you know, you're not necessarily getting eight hours of sleep. I mean, shoot. Seku, you're the dude that wakes up at like seven o'clock in the morning every day, no matter how time, you know how what time you went to bed the night before covering right. a game, right. right? Like it's you always got to sort of find a ways to make up for it. Yeah, um, yeah I do take naps so, at three o'clock every day in the afternoon. Yeah, so I mean, it, it, you, you could sort of understand it a yeah. little bit. Yeah, it's, it's just it's to me, it's just a weird thing when you're trying to change. You know, with all the sleep studies teams have done, and I don't, you know, maybe you some guys might sleep better on a plane than they would in a hotel room overnight. You know, there's so many different, you know, variables involved. I think, you know, I like I, I told Lang earlier, John, I do applaud the league for taking all these concerns, addressing them, and then making the changes. I mean, 
Yeah, this, they're open-minded. Yeah, I mean, this is something that wouldn't have been a part of. I don't know how open-minded they are in reducing the number of games from 82 to, say, 72 or something like that, but they're mm-hmm. certainly open-minded as far as, um, you know, making the changes that they have and, and, and continuing to try and uh, do what's best. Because they know the team. I mean, they have the same, you know, they uh, we there's a presentation at the Sloan Conference a couple years ago, or maybe last year. Right. Um, about the schedule, and I mean, they're doing everything. They, they they put everything into uh, a computer, and it's it's they they've definitely revamped the way they make the schedule uh, as far as the system they use um, over the last few years. And it's all about you know, and and they know they know the effects of player rest. They do the same analytics that most teams do as far as rest, and they have the same um, data that you know you get from like the sport view ca- uh, cameras as far as. Um, how well players are moving uh, after a certain amount of rest or uh, having played a back-to-back versus, uh, you know, not having, having been rested the day before. So the league is, is, is up front about it, and they take suggestions from the teams. And, you know, yeah, definitely you got to um, be happy about that and that, um, you know, we're moving forward in, as far as uh, protecting the players and 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 presenting a better product. I'll just ask Siri what we should do. I mean, Siri, just let me check with Siri and see, see what she thinks. Um, Lang, you, you have it. And you and John both have an interesting dynamic when we're talking about this travel, cross country travel, like having to go from New York, you know, back West across the country. That to me always seems like a, a grind in itself, just the the distance. Um, do you think that this this notion, and, and we've heard the talk this summer um, about expansion at some point, and I've always thought that this notion that you could expand across oceans and, and that sort of thing has been too far-fetched just from a logistical travel standpoint. But if you don't have to worry about four or five nights and you continue to eliminate the specter of back-to-backs. Is it realistic to think there's going to be a time here in, in the foreseeable future when you could have teams outside of the continental U.S. and it makes logistical travel sense to be able to do it? Honestly, for me, the, jumping on a plane and going six hours to San Francisco is not the tiring part. The tiring part is the three hours before you get on the plane where you have to get to the airport, you stand in line, you check your bag, you go yeah. through security, you wait at the gate, you have to you know wrestle with the people in the zones to get on the plane and get your bag in and all that. I mean, when you're, in, when you're on the plane, you're just sitting there. You're watching movies. You're not, there, there's no stress involved. If you're able to sleep on a plane, it, it's all the difference in the world. So to me, the, I mean, the, this goes back to, the, to what we were just talking about. When you're flying charter, um, as those of us who have been lucky enough to do this with the teams before, you, you, there's no standing in line anywhere. <laughs> you, you walk, they, they do security at the arena. You get on the bus, you just walk, drive right up to the plane. You get on the plane, and the plane takes off. Um, so, I, I for for the players, I, I if they're able to figure out this, I mean, there's still going to be some. Um, I don't know if if having one team seven hours away is going to make it worthwhile. I think, I still think there has to be a couple of teams that they would have to set up so you could fly over and play all those teams. Um, But um, I, I don't 
think it's that big of a, a thing. So yeah. I think it's more about like the multiple jumps. Like you know, like if like for instance, like one of the, the bad parts of schedules that I've seen in the past are like when you're going from when you have a trip and you're just making multiple jumps across many cities in right. a row. Like that's I think that gets that's where fatigue starts to set in where you're not really settled. Like, so I like when a team, when they have, which they've done also recently is, is allowed teams to play the Knicks and Nets in the same trip, you know, or the, you know, the Knicks, you know, and and like, you don't have to go like there's been trips, you know, in the past where a team plays New York and then Milwaukee and then back to Philadelphia, you know, like you've got to reduce that kind of stuff, the jumping around too. So like, if you had only one team abroad, like somewhere, that would be tough. Like, because you're just playing one game and you're coming back, um, you know, it would have to be like around, you know, when you came back, maybe you could have, maybe you could set it up so when a team played, you know, London or whatever, then they'd come back and have to play, you know, at least two home games in a row or something where they could settle a little bit and, and get that travel fatigue out of their system. Because right. um, like I said, like covering a seven-game series, like I've covered, uh, you know, an Eastern Conference seven game series and the the travel distance wasn't bad but just like the bouncing back and forth when you get to the one 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 part of the series is right. just a pain and, and that that's that's draining yeah we were talking john and i were talking at the, i think it was at the rookie photo shoot the other day just like you know i covering like washington and boston it's not that far from new york it's but it's it's it takes you four hours to get there just because of all the other stuff all yeah. the waiting and the security and all that so yeah no, it's just, it's just interesting. To me, it's something that I agree with you that the amount of data that goes into this now is so great, you know, that you wonder what's the tipping point, you know, what what pushes the league to act one, you know, in one way or another based on all of the information that's been compiled. So it's uh, – it, I'll be interested to see, though, how the – you know, because that's the one thing I'll say about – the NBA, I don't cover the NFL or any other professional sports league, so I can only speak to the NBA. But, man, the amount of uh, comprehension of, of all these different things that go into the pie now is just tremendous. Um, and trying to sort it through it all and figure it all out, to me, has got to be a monster of a task for whoever at the league is doing it. I'm sure it's multiple departments and people involved but um that kind of undertaking every off season you know and throughout the course of every season is just crazy to me and it, it speaks to to me the changing dynamic you know something i think has changed in the years i've been covering the league even if they were doing it you know 17 years ago 18 years ago i don't remember there being the public you know conversation about it the way we have now and, and how willing the commissioner is to address some of these topics and to respond to the, you know, the questions being asked about some of these topics. So it makes, makes for interesting ideas about what we might see, you know, five years ago, did you think the league would ever have been able to do so much with rest in the schedule? And like, what could, what could be done in another five years um, of studying this stuff and, and addressing some of these issues? Uh, Maybe we'll be able to cover games without having to get off our couch. Finally. <laughs> That's when I'll know technology has reached its Spoken apex. like a man looking forward <laughs> to the lazy future. I love it. Um, <laughs> you remember in that movie, uh, uh, Wally, and they get on the, at the end, the, the robot gets on the spaceship, and all the people are, are just like 
sort of chair bound and the chairs move them around. Like they don't even have to walk into it. Some of us look at that as aspirational. Yeah. Speak for yourself. As a father of a couple of preteens, I welcome getting out of the house to go cover games uh, once or twice a week. Uh, let's hope Mrs. Schumann doesn't listen to the podcast. She'll be smacking you upside your head. Um, Schumann, hey, Schumann's kitchen almost burned down. What? His new kitchen. Already? Uh, we had an electrical issue with, uh, oh. with one of our one of our new outlets. See? All good, though. No no issues. Thank you to the the uh, circuit breaker. Everything is uh, was okay. See, if you'd have had Chip and JoJo working on that thing and had these issues. Shoot uh, lap doesn't catch fire. <laughs> Oh, man. When does school start up there in the Northeast, by the way? We've been in school for like a month. When do y'all start? Day after Labor Day. Good grief. Hurry up already. Um, <laughs> you guys got too much time on your hands. Hey, before we let you go, any ideas on, on what you think happens? And this is a question I pose to both you guys. Do we get some movement um, on on Kyrie and or Carmelo? before training camp and shoe we can't let you leave without giving us a trivia question so when you get done answering that question throw some trivia at us as well all right so with both those i'm going to guess no because i i think like if it if it could have happened if there was a trade out there um to be had for either of those guys i think it probably would have happened already like i don't see what the difference is between now and and opening uh of camp mm-hmm. um versus you know the past few weeks um but, like, once we get to the December 15th and players who were signed um, can be traded, then that's the that's the real point. So I think we may get, you know, go into camp, go into the regular season, those those guys still on their teams, and then December 15th is the time to look. Because you can maybe look at uh, uh, Kyrie to Minnesota for, you know, Wiggins and Teague uh, trade. Um, and that would require Teague to be trade, trade eligible, and that's not until December 15th. So I, I, my guess is no, nothing happens between now and, and, and training camp because why wouldn't it have happened already? Mm. I agree with John, and I'm going to go one step further. I think one of these two guys is going to mess everything up <laughs> by, by getting off to like an incredible start or either a great or a bad start, and then by the time December 15th comes around, like what if the Knicks start out 8-2 and two or something? And Carmelo, you know, the triangle out the window, they go back to playing him at the four and, and they, they start off hot or something. And, and then you can't make the deal. So it'll be interesting to see uh, if if – I just think the longer you wait, the, the more things are going to change in yep. the circumstances here. Yeah. All right, Shu, what do you got trivia-wise? We can't let you get out of here without some good trivia. All right. This this one's a favorite, like, little piece of trivia of mine. I don't I, – I I've, know I've, I've mentioned on Twitter before, but I don't think I've I've asked you guys. Um, at least not in the last six months or so. Mm-hmm. So um, in his 14 years uh, in the league, Ron James has played 50,400 minutes total, uh, including playoffs, mm-hmm. which is about 7,500 more than any other player in the league. So it's basically like he's played three additional seasons. So who's second on total minutes since LeBron, since the 2003-04 season? That's the trivia part of it. Dirk Total minutes after LeBron. Dirk Since Dirk is third oh. at 40,000. Since when? This guy Since 42,900 minutes, playoffs du- and included. Dwayne Wade. Since 0304. Dwayne Wade. Fourth Man. at 38,900. Uh, Those are two good guesses. You got number three and number four. 
Who would be is it an active? It's an active player. Active player, still active. Playoffs included. Hmm. Playoffs included. So it's got to be a Tony, guy who's seen a lot of playoff action, probably, right? Tony Parker. Uh, he's sixth. Oh. Man. Yeah, this guy stayed a lot of playoffs. You know, one, the one team that he sort of made, it, I think the team that we know him most for, oh. it went to the playoffs lots of, uh, several years wow. in a row. Rajon Rondo. Mm, nope. Nah. Uh, James Harden. Uh, no. James Harden hasn't been. I don't think James Harden's not even in the top twenty-five. He's been near the top in total minutes recently, but he wasn't drafted. Who else has been around as long as LeBron and these guys has played those kind of minutes? Um, This guy. I'm surprised Vince Carter isn't in the top five. Seems like he's been playing for twenty-seven years. Uh. I think Vince Carter, yeah, is was, is number eighteen on the list. Shoot, you stumping uh, us this week, bro. I, I'm trying to think who could that this be. This one is tough. This one is a, this guy is a seven time All Star. Good grief! What year was he? He's drafted? probably a favorite of both of you guys. One of your both of you guys probably one of your favorite guys in the league. What year was he drafted? He was drafted in 2001, so he's played six. He's, he's uh, came in the league two years before younger. LeBron, but like I said, his second in minutes since LeBron was drafted. Hmm. Um, active player. Oh, I know who it is. ISO. Yeah. Oh, Joe, Joe Johnson. Yeah. Of course. Joe Johnson. I was looking at. I was like amazed. So, like he's a, played 16 years. He's missed a total of 75 games, which is yeah. 75 games, which is an average of less than five per season. In his last four years, last four years, Joe Johnson, who is like 30, what? How how old is he now? 36. He's 36 years old. In the last four years, he's missed a total of eight games. That's because the dude is like a – he doesn't do anything but play basketball and video games. He's the... ben, ben Simmons has already missed more games in his career than Joe Johnson has. <laughs> I told uh, Tony Bradley, who's going to be a rookie on the Jazz, I, I, we were just having small talk while he was charging his phone on my charger, and I asked him uh, if he you know, spent much time in Salt Lake City, and he said he's about to go out there uh, and, and start – meeting guys, and I was like, look, if Joe Johnson doesn't speak to you for a couple of weeks at a time, don't, don't worry it about it. Yeah, that's, that's just how he is. I covered the dude for years. He didn't speak for an entire season one time. Nobody. I mean, it was like, we didn't take it personal. Um, you bring up Joe. Let me ask you guys one last thing. With the Hall of Fame looming in the in the distance, is Joe Johnson uh, going to the uh, Naismith Memorial Hall of Fame question. someday? That's a great question. I mean, longevity is is a factor, I assume. Um, he was a great college player. He was a, you know, kind of a, a seminal player in in the history of Arkansas basketball. They won an SEC tournament championship when he was there. Um, you know, he's he's had a distinguished NBA career. Remember, it's your entire yeah. basketball body of work. Well, I'm trying to see where he's number 42 on the all-time scoring list right now, um, and he's. I mean, he's he's going to go up that list because he could go up about ten spots mm-hmm. conceivably in the next year or two. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think if he were, t- 
if he retires and he's in like the top thirty scores of all time, that that to me that cements it. I mean, he could probably play. I mean, he's thirty six and he's clearly durable. Yeah. He could he could probably play four or five more years. I just, um, I just wonder. I mean, I, we always get into these um, debates about players and how history will view them. To me, Joe's one of those guys who history is going to view him much better in hindsight than it probably than we're looking yeah, at there was, now. Yeah, there was a while there where he was just thought of – people put his contract above yeah. the player. You know, yes. like they put the contract before the player, is, you know, when he was with Brooklyn, especially, you know, maybe his last year in Atlanta where it was like, yeah, Joe Johnson, yeah, but he's getting paid, you know, however, right. you know, hundred-something you know, million dollars you know or whatever. The, the, um, I think it, sort of, I think people, you know, there's certain sequences with the Jazz and even with the Nets, like when he was destroying the Raptors that one time in the playoffs, like where people really started to appreciate, holy cow, this dude can get buckets yeah. and he's, a, he's a, a bad dude in that regard as far as just backing you down and, and getting yeah. buckets. And I think, now in Utah, people will, I think will start to appreciate him a little bit more. He's on a reasonable contract, um, but still getting buckets. You know, um, never runs more than you know, never runs faster than than he needs to. And <laughs> you know, it's breaking news. Like, uh, uh, you know, when he gets a fast break or something like that, that's breaking news. You know, but you know, he is who he is, and the, you know, he's the still, reason all these. Um... The reason all these teams do ISO Joe's because it works and he's good at it, and they let it. And it's you know all these you always hear oh you got to move the ball you can't have this one on one. Well, what if what if this guy's able to score more than half the time when he got one on one? I when he was in his prime on the Hawks and the Hawks were winning twenty games in a season and Seku was cursing him. <laughs> I always felt that if there was a one on one contest among NBA players, I think he would have as good a shot as anybody is winning the thing because he could. That's he gets you on skill. that on on his hip, you know. He gets oh, yeah. That, yeah. that that rear end between you and him, and there's nothing you can do about it, you know. Like he's he's got that he's got that wide base that you know once he puts you on his hip, like you can't get to him, you can't get to his shot. So. You know what's uh, funny? Yep. Um, just showing off once again how unbelievably freaking old I am. I was covering the SEC when Joe came into the league. You know, he had to sit out like uh, the first semester, and Nolan Richardson was telling us. How good he was. This is pre-internet, of course, and pre-social media. So all we had to go by was word of mouth, kind of what we'd heard, what Nolan was saying. And Joe was like, if you if you put his picture from his freshman year at Arkansas up next to his picture now, you'd be like, this dude is this dude because he weighs probably about sixty-five pounds more now than he did then. You would have never guessed Joe would be the kind of physical specimen he is now when he started out. He was a he was a six seven you know, six seven and a half two guard who could handle the ball and facilitate and and he didn't have a pure looking stroke, but he had a good jump shot and he was so athletic and he was so quick and such a big guy dominating in the backcourt. But to see players evolve the way he has to me is remarkable thinking back to what he was like back then. It's uh it's interesting, you know, that you always have to judge a player based on his entire career as opposed to just what you think of him at the time. Remember how rough his start was when he came in the league? You know, mm-hmm. he didn't even last a full season in Boston um, where they drafted him, you know, before they shipped him out. He goes to Phoenix where he blossoms, you know, on a in a real ensemble cast with Steve Nash and Sean Marion and Mario, those guys. Blow, they blow that up too soon, obviously. 
Um, comes to Atlanta to a really rough situation. Team blows, franchise implodes with his signing. But, man, talk about a guy who salvaged some pretty special stuff out of a career. You're right. Joe Johnson is one of uh, one of my favorite players. Um, his his uh, his Hall of Fame case reminds me of a little bit of Dominique because it's a guy who is just known for getting buckets, basically, but he hasn't had that postseason success um, or extended runs in the postseason that some of his colleagues have had. And, uh, you know, Dominique's in. I think Joe's going to get in. Should be interesting. Um, Shu, appreciate it, brother. All right, pal. As always. Later. Talk to you. See you, man. Lang, um, maybe you ought to start doing that every – Every other episode, arguing about somebody, or at least discussing somebody's Hall of Fame case, a current player. But he, Joe's not the only guy I think about when I start wondering where, you know, does he end up in the Hall of Fame someday? Um, save the other ones. Yes, that's what I'm saying. We'll save those for later dates. Uh, very interesting, though. Um, appreciate everybody joining us, as always, here on the Hang Time Podcast. NBA offseason will keep going down the track. We'll see what happens. See if Kyrie and and Carmelo are on the same rosters the next time we talk to you. Um, be sure to follow all the NBA action you can on NBA.com. Subscribe to the podcast uh, Hang Time on iTunes. And be sure to uh, leave a glowing review. We'll see you right here every week in the offseason on the Hang Time Podcast. Later. Thanks for listening to the Hang Time Podcast. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes. For a new episode every single Thursday this season. And as always, people, remember, say kuna matata.